0: Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to the Power Show. It is your host Perry Power, and we have Malcolm John joining us today. Now, there is a specific, very specific reason that I decided to get Malcolm onto the show. Now, he is local to me where I live in the UK, which is in Bracknell in Berkshire, and he lives just down the road from me. Um and He decided to share his story on social media in a local Facebook group that we're a part of. And uh, when I read his story about his mental health and about his, his weight and his journey through life, I read it and I was like, wow. One, that took guts for him to share. It took huge guts. And two, I felt the passion, I felt the love and the need to help other people. And I got that through his words. Um, so I was like, I need to get this guy on the podcast to help give him that fuel that's needed to push his story out there even further to help more people and to inspire these guys to do the same thing. So I hope you guys are ready. hope you guys are prepared for this awesome, awesome show. Let's get straight into it. Power show. We have Malcolm with us today. Um, Malcolm is very local to me where I live in Bracknell, Berkshire and he has a tremendous story and as soon as I heard his story I was like I need to get this guy onto the show so he can spread his message and inspire other people to do the same Um, So how's it going Malcolm, thank you for coming on board
1: Hi Perry, Uh, good morning, Yeah, it's fine thank you, I'm doing really well, thanks, yeah really good
0: (laughs) Awesome stuff, Um, so Tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, we'll go into your story in just a bit, but just tell us a little bit about yourself. Where you born and raised? um, You know, if you went to school, college, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, cool. Okay. Uh, Well, I was born in Balbrook in Bramford Crescent back in 1963 in my mum's dad's house. Okay. Um, Yeah, so that that was good. Um, I went to Garth. I went Holly Spring first and then off to Garth over up uh, near near Priestwood. I spent my school days there. And then uh, I left, left school and worked for a tarmacking company for a year and then joined the RAF and although that didn't last for a long long time it was a fantastic experience um yeah. we've done about just about every job you can think of Br- Bracknell's my roots I don't live in Bracknell now but but I'm not far away and I'm always visiting uh, so Bracknell is my my roots and I'll never lose that I love Bracknell
0: yeah. and the people
1: you know uh, yeah so it's my home
0: and it always will be That's nice to hear. Talk to us a little bit more about the RAF experience that you
1: had. Okay, um, I decided when I was about 14 to join the Air Cadets, which was then based at the RAF base uh, near Broad Lane, um, which is now a massive housing estate.
0: That's
1: Uh, where I live in, Broad Lane. Oh, okay. Well, there was just past the railway bridge going up towards town. uh, There was a big RAF base on the left-hand side, and uh, I was there in the 2211 Bracknell Air Cadet Service. Uh, I ended up as a corporal, and I used to take the team, the guys up, shooting up at the sports centre. Um, okay. we, we used to use live 2-2 rifles for that. And we did the basics, aircraft recognition, uh, marching stuff. And when I'd done that, I realised that I wanted to do that for a living. So after spending a year after school working, I joined the RAF uh, on the 5th of August in 1980. Uh, did my six weeks basic at Swindaby, passed out with flying colours and um moved to wales learned to drive just about everything apart from a truck and uh, and then went down to st morgan and cornwall i was based there looking after the nimrod aircraft which is the old type awac planes the the ones that do the search and destroy and the rescue and that the, you know they've got all the equipment on board uh to find uh, different things and that across the world um nowadays it's much more modern. But but that's what we they had when, when I was there. Used to do some quite strange things I can't really talk about. Um but we did have some good times, beach parties and what on a Saturday night down at Lukey and stuff yeah. like that. So, yeah, it, it was a great time in my life. It didn't last particularly long. Uh, there were there were reasons for that. Yeah. Um started to come out after a while uh on the advice of my then uh, commanding officer uh and to rejoin. Never happened unfortunately, and I regretted that. But but I loved it. It was great. The camaraderie and the, you know the teamwork was was amazing. So so yeah, taught me a lot. A lot taught me a lot of self respect, self esteem, and respect for other people as well. So I yeah. try and live the world. now. If if I come across a problem now, yeah. then put my IF head on, if you like, and I go back to the mindset that I was taught how to deal with things then, and it helps me a lot. So yeah.
0: Okay, that's, that's really cool. So what would you say are the biggest skills and the biggest takeaways? The biggest
1: things that I learned in the RF was, was self-respect. Um, you have to look after yourself, you have to respect yourself, you have to, you have to love yourself. Uh, until you learn to do that, um, it's going to be hard for people to learn to love and respect you, uh, and for you to love and respect others as well. Because if you don't, you ain't going to go very far. You know, unfortunately these days, there are a lot of people who don't understand what respect is. Um, it's not It's not about being in the gang and, you know, uh, looking after your mate in a fight or something like that. It's more like, I will open the door for a lady, even now. Um, I will let someone behind me in a queue with one eye to go first, even if it's a bloke. I will open the door for a man. It's just respect for other people and the world in general. And I know it sounds idealistic, um, but... I try and pass that on and hopefully then you get what I call the ripple effect and hopefully it'll pass on to other people you know I'm always I were, my my mum bless her had a great saying and she said to me forget yesterday, it's gone, you can't change it okay. don't worry about tomorrow you might not be it, do one thing a day to make yourself proud and you'll be alright and that's what I'm trying to do, do one thing a day to, to help someone, smile at someone let someone out of junction, it doesn't matter what it is smallest thing and hopefully that'll, that'll resound around the world and It'll all be a better place for everyone.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, my opinion, that's really nice. I completely agree with that. You know, the amount of, if you think of the people you know, the amount of people that get stressed out who still hold on to emotions about something that happened yesterday or something that happened last week or last year or when they were a child and they can't change it, but they still let mm-hmm. it hold on to them and they still let it change their future in a way.
1: Totally. It's one of the hardest things to let go of that though. It's yeah. not easy. And, and I'm not saying it is, it's not. And I've had to learn to do that with a lot of my life. I've had to go with a lot of things and it's been very, very, very hard. And I would never say it's easy, it's not. Um, and, and if you can do it, then, then, then hopefully it will help you. Um, but to do it takes a lot of guts, a lot of courage, and a lot of help from your friends and family as well. You need the support there to be able to do that.
0: You do, and um, do you find that? I think you mentioned it already about support and friendships from the R.E.F. Do you think that was a big takeaway you took from that as well?
1: Well, definitely, because because you have to trust you. You have to trust your, the guys in your team. You know, yeah. we we did we did the things I can't say, but we did one training thing we did where you you had a telegraph pole, and there was eight of you one side and eight the other and eight of you held the telegraph pole and the other stood back to back. You threw the telegraph pole up the end and the other eight to catch it. So you have to have the trust. Yeah. You fall like you're backwards someone would catch you. When you're out in the field, if you don't that trust, you're dead. Simple yeah. as that. It's the same in life. You need to have trust. Yeah. Trust and belief, you know, in yourself yeah. and others. Yeah, for sure. Why do you think a lot of people struggle with trust? <sighs> the problem is these days that that there's a lot of false people about there's there's a lot of people that will try and make you believe there's something they're not um uh, it's the way of the world unfortunately um con artists you know thieves people like that who, who just don't care um and again it's idealistic i know um but the more people that can learn to trust themselves and trust others um You've got to have the belief, you know, believe in yourself, you know, because if you don't believe in yourself, you, 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 haven't got a, you haven't really got a lot of chance to, you know, to go anywhere.
0: Yeah, exactly. If, if you don't trust yourself, if you don't love yourself, then you can't trust or love other people. It's just impossible. Yeah. But,
1: but looking on the upside of that, as soon as you do start to believe in yourself and love yourself and love other people, you'll find, and I have, that the people love you back. Uh, and, and that makes all the hard stuff in the past, worthwhile because and the, you know that's where my my story of my mental health story that i posted that i want people to to read to learn yeah was that you know you you can help you can it's worth it you know yeah because when you come out the other side you have achieved something
0: amazing you know yeah so, for sure that's so really, um yeah. i was gonna say i think um you, you're leading us quite nicely into your story now um so
1: Take it away. I mean, take us to the beginning. It wasn't
0: deliberate. It wasn't deliberate. Um, Okay.
1: Well, I said that I was born in Barrow Crescent, which I was. And uh, when I was five, I lost my father uh, through, uh, I don't know, it was a complete um, shutdown of his organs. And I remember when I was at Cubs at the time, we came home and mum told us and I didn't really understand. I was five, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I remember for three or four weeks afterwards walking into her bedroom in the morning expecting him to be there and, and he wasn't and that, that hit home quite hard Because you don't understand? You, you don't understand, no where, where, where is he? You know, why isn't he here? Um, and he used to do he used to do yeah. certain things every week um, like bring a suitcase of cars home if we were good we were allowed a couple, you know uh, and that didn't happen anymore um, he used to go fishing he used to take us fishing to brickyards up top of Gosling. Lane People remember that the old people, older people, Bracknell, will remember the brickyard and the fishing pond and Jean's pond in Priestwood. You know, and we used to go there and buy mm-hmm. plastic rods and reels and catch fish. Um, ride on the on his bike, you know, to go to the tackle shop to get maggot to go fishing. It didn't happen. Yeah. It was hard, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then Mum remarried when I was ten, uh, and uh, I've known my stepdad as my dad ever since really so so that sort of turned out okay in the end and um, so that was that part of my life and then as I got older i was bullied at school really badly bullied at school um sometimes my fault sometimes not mostly not um but that was the school life my school life was horrendous I hated it I absolutely hated it it was uh, one of the worst parts of my life I think um in those days of course there was no there was none of this, oh, I'm suing the school for bullying, or, you know, I'm going to take you to court for you let them bully me. There was none of that. I just yeah. had to nap it up. Um, and I think for the first three years of senior school at Gar, um, I was beat up every day, either on the way home to school, at school. Even after I'd been home, you know, um, I, I used to get it all the time. And that was pretty tough. Um, and then my working life some of the work jobs I've done have been the same as well, you know? Uh, and that led to like, uh, I, I got married quite young, uh, got married quite young um, to a lovely girl and we had a little boy. And I have to say that now my son and I've got the closest relationship you could ever have between a father and son. And I that's love it. Uh, 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 and, and that's fantastic. Um, so all of this stuff that's happened to me before I was 21 all came out um, a few years later, after I was married and I was diagnosed with clinical depression and I was very ill, on medication, in and out of hospital all the time, in and out of work all the time, didn't know where I was coming or going, um, hated my life, hated everybody, couldn't see past it, couldn't, couldn't see an end to it at all. Um, and it all came to a head uh, and my marriage broke up, I ended up in hospital um two thousand and eight was, was a big year for me. Um it was uh it was pretty horrendous and this 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 is the hard bit, okay. This this for me and I'm sorry if I'm a bit sort of jumpy on it. Because I apologise. It, it it was quite a terrible point in my life. Um I'd been out of work, uh been off work, sorry, sick for about six months with depression and um my wife couldn't deal with it and had enough and said that's it we're gone so I packed a bag took what money I had in my wallet and left uh went into town bought loads of alcohol as many tablets as I could get took all my medication with me sat somewhere quiet out of the way took the lot took the lot um and ended up somebody found me I don't know how and I don't know why Someone found me, and I ended up in hospital, spent three days on life support, um, stayed with friends for three months, then we decided to make another go of it, and, 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 and that sort of was a, a, a little turning point for me, because I'd given up. I'd given up, and, and I didn't want to go on. And when I realised that I had another chance, maybe, I decided to ask for the help that I really needed and that was that's the biggest and hardest step of all to take is to ask for help because until you do that you're not going to get better
0: um
1: and no one can make you do that it's not something you can just do you can just if someone says oh why don't you go and see the doctor why don't you go and see a specialist you can't do that it's it's, it's it's up here uh until you actually make that decision to ask for help then then you're lost but as soon as i did i got the help i needed i spent 16 weeks one-to-one uh with a, th- a therapy called cbt now that doesn't work for everybody and i'm not suggesting it would but it worked for me uh and after 16 weeks i i end up with a list of things that i needed to do um and i did those things one at a time on my own and once i'd done those things i really turned a corner um I'll give you a little example of those things was the visit yeah. woman's grave i hadn't done that since i married her I couldn't face it. Um, mm. so something like that. Visit my dad's um, entry into the book at Slough Center Crematorium. I hadn't done that. I did that. Those those that kind of thing, you know, to let go, basically. Yeah. Yeah. To let go. Um, so I did that. And in two thousand and ten I was out at work, no money, and got a little job at cricket a cleaning job at a cricket club. And while I was there, they so said, Look, do you want to do some bowl work? I work. Someone said, "Can you do the maintenance here?" I said, yeah, I could do a little bit of maintenance, paint a few walls, and you know, cut a bit of the grass on the outfield, you know. <coughs> and excuse me. And then someone said, um, "Oh, uh, can you come paint my fence in my garden? Can you come and you know, paint my shed?" And six years later, I run a Handy Maximal Gardening Business, thirty customs and four contracts. It lasted for six years, and and I've never looked back. Okay, I don't do it now. I can't physically. I've got a good good job. Um, but I've not looked back. No depression, no tablets, no doctors, no nothing. And and now I'm here, here I am today, a better person for going through it. And my main message to people is this. You know, you're worth it. You know, you're worth the effort that you need to make to get better because at the end of the day, the world's going to be a worse place without you than it's going to be a better place. You know, it's not going to be better without you it needs you that's why you're here and my goal in life my only goal in life I have only got one real big goal is to help one person if i can help one person then all the years i've suffered and all the rubbish that i've been through has been worthwhile and that's 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 what i want to do really that that, that that that's that's the message I want to get across you know
0: yeah you've you've definitely conveyed that so far um yeah, no, I really respect you for opening up like that, be willing to to share your story. What At what point did you make the decision that you want to get your story out there? Well, it, I've,
1: I've been wanting to do that for a few years. Um, I I, I, I'm, I can't mention names. I've got a friend, a very close friend of mine, and they've been suffering. And they keep saying that I have helped them and, and they feel so much better for me. Just talking to them and being there, and and I thought, well, if I can do that for one person, can I do that for another person? Can I can I get it out there and multiply that and try and help other people? And I thought, well, this is what I've, this is what I'm here for. Yeah, I'm here at work. I'm here to pay the government taxes. I'm here to do all the usual stuff. But I, this is my role in life to help people. And and that's when I decided a few years ago that that's what I needed to do. And When We Love Bracknell came along, and I joined We Love Bracknell, and I realised how many people were on it, and how many people were stuck, and I thought, well, this is a great place to try and get the story out, you know? Yeah. Uh, And and now I've done that, it's led to more. I've had messages from people who want to hear my story and saying, look, you know, I know you can't help me, but can you talk to me for two minutes? Can you give me this? Can you tell me that? I can't give advice. I'm not professional. I can't tell you what's going to work and what's not. I can't make you better. What I can do is tell you my story and tell you that there is light at the end of the tunnel, can get there and you're worth it, and that's what I try and do, and that's what I'm going to keep doing. And if it helps one person, it's great, if it helps 10 people, fantastic, if it helps 100 people, I'm amazed. You, know? you just keep keep going, you know,
0: that's that's what I want. Keep going, yeah, just keep going, yeah, it's you know, just what type of person
1: you are, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's 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 a mentality, it's a mentality. And I told you a little while ago a story about um 2010. I started playing a sport called tank, which is with metal balls, French plate ball. You know, you play on the beach for plastic balls. You know, yeah,
0: like, yeah.
1: In the, like in the league. And we had a gala dinner in the November, and I was 19 and I was stone, and my dicky bow suit laughed at me, and yeah. I couldn't even get the jacket halfway up my arms and trousers halfway up my legs. You know, yeah. uh, I couldn't think about this. So the mentality of what I used to have back in the day when I was in the ice kicked in. And I thought I can do this. Believe in it. Believe in yourself. You can do it. So I started training. I started eating properly. I gave up beer. I gave up the bread. And I lost six and a half stone in 10 months. And I went from 19 and a half to 13 stone. And I wore my Dickie Bow suit to a good dinner. And that gave me such a great feeling that I'd achieved that. You know? So you can do it. You know? You just gotta it. You've got to believe in it.
0: got to believe. So do you, so when, when that happened with, with the suit and you couldn't get it on, you think they had to a bigger enough reason, big enough why for you to then put the uh, in place in order for you to lose that weight it wasn't just the fact that the suit didn't fit it was the fact that
1: it made me look at myself and think where okay. are you going? Why, yeah. why are you doing this to yourself? like the depression why do you keep doing this to yourself? not your fault you know, it's not your fault what all that rubbish happened to you stop blaming yourself and do something about it mm. and, and I looked in the mirror and I thought you know what I can change this and I did and here I am okay i will put a few stone back on but you know at the end of the day it's that mentality if you want it and someone once said to me actually this is quite important Perry someone once said to me in mental health said to me are you happy and I went no I'm not and they said yes you are I said no I'm really not and I said you are I said I'm really not and they said well you must be because if you weren't you'd have changed it by now and that's so true you know if, if you're happy you must be happy if you're not change it because you can yeah and that's really important
0: i yeah. think it's a Everything's a choice yeah
1: and yeah
0: you know although again it's difficult to do it's not easy yeah for sure for sure um exactly exactly but like so if you're looking through your past and all the things that's happened to you what what enabled you to look at those situations and let it go and move on what did you work on in order to let it go? I
1: worked on writing down, basically. I, the way I did it was to write down everything that I felt I needed to do and hadn't done through my life. And there was a lot of stuff. There was a big list. And there were things that I was not able to do, like visit Australia or go to Canada or, you know, that sort of thing. But things that I could do just took one at a time, one at a time. Doesn't matter how long it took to do it month two months a year doesn't matter just do that one thing once you've done that one thing move on to the next thing just one thing at a time and once once I'd let go of those things it didn't take very long actually once you realize you can do it pretty quickly it doesn't take a long time to do and once I'd let go of those or done those things I'd let go of them then the weight lifted the cloud lifted the depression went uh, and I could start living my life free of all that, that I carried. You carry a lot of stuff through your life. You know, we all do. We've all got stuff we carry. Yeah. It's learning to deal with it in, a, in, a, in whatever way you can to let you move on. Me, I had to go and visit places and do things. Some, you can put it into a box, lock the box. Okay, open the box every now and then, take it out and have a look, put it back. It's, you know, if you don't want to let go, fine. Yeah. Leave it there but leave it in a locked box so it doesn't stop you from doing what you need to do. You know, you can always take a look at it yeah. and look back and then put it back again and move on. You know, there's lots of different yeah. ways of dealing with the things that, that have hurt you in your life.
0: Yeah, so, yeah. for sure. For sure, yeah. No, I, I agree with that. Definitely the one of the biggest things that helped me when I look back on my life was was letting go. And what helped me let go was forgiveness. So that's definitely... That it me dramatically. That's the big thing. You have to be able to, and it's not necessarily,
1: it's not necessarily forgiving the person that did whatever they did or or the situation. It's forgiving yourself because you're not to blame and you have to forgive yourself to be able to move on. If you don't forgive yourself, then, you, you know, it's like loving yourself, believing in yourself. You have to forgive yourself. Well, Although you might not be to blame, you still need to forgive yourself to let go. Otherwise, you're going to keep blaming yourself. And although you might not blame anyone else, and you might believe in everyone else and love everyone else, you won't believe in loving yourself. And until you do that, you're stuck, you know. So yeah. you need you need you need to forgive yourself and believe in yourself and love
0: yourself, you yeah. know. Definitely. Really uh, yeah, definitely. Talk to us a bit more about your poetry.
1: Ah, my poetry. Yes. Well, um, okay. Some of the most famous poets in history. Um, Spike Milligan, for one, uh, wrote their poetry when they were depressed, believe it or not. Okay. Um, And my first poem I wrote in 2000 when I was in hospital. And we had a craft day. And you could paint, you could write, you could draw, you could do whatever you like. And I sat down and and I just sat there in front of a blank piece of paper. And the the person came over and said, you haven't done anything. I said, well... I don't, I don't want to, I don't, I've got nothing to do, I've got nothing to draw. So, well, what about a story? I said, I can't write stories, I'm not an author. Well, write a poetry story. I said, I can't write poetry. Well, just write a story, just write anything, memory. And as I was talking earlier about my dad, before he passed away, that used to take us fishing. Okay. So I wrote a poem about, I remembered the mist on the water as we got to the pond and the kingfishers we saw, and the fish, and things like that. And I wrote my first poem called The Living Water. Um, uh, that was in 2000. And when the person running the group saw it, they said, oh, my God, that's incredible. You need to send that off somewhere and enter a competition. And I said, no, no, I can't be really doing it. And they said, well, I'll do it for you if you want. And I went, yeah, OK, whatever. And I came in the top 10 out of a national competition, and it got published in a book.
0: As nice. my problem.
1: And I thought, well, somebody liked it. And then I did a few for the kids. And and now I just, every day, every other day, or I'm inspired or someone that gives me a subject, give me two minutes, I'll write you a poem. And it takes me literally minutes. And I wrote a rap. Don't laugh. I wrote a rap. Um, one night I was sitting up and I couldn't sleep. The first paragraph goes something like, um, uh, I close my eyes, but sleep does not come to me. All I can think of is what life has done to me. I've forgotten, no, my life has gotten me so down, I've forgotten how to smile and you know, how to frown. And that's the first paragon. And, and I wrote this rap, and one of my friends said to me, oh, that's amazing, that's brilliant. Oh, that's really, really good. In fact, there's a family member that said, yeah, you should do this more often rap stuff, And because it only takes you two minutes. We'll give you this name. So my, <laughs> the name he gave me was uh, MC Max Speedy. So that's my that's my <laughs> yeah. so, well, that's the only rap I've done, but yeah, um and, and I just write and write and, and it does take me minutes and someone something will inspire, I'll see something, or someone will say something, or I'll meet somebody and like yourself. Um and, and I think, wow, I've gotta write a poem about that. And it just flows and it helps me with my head as well, because it's helping someone else with enjoyment yeah. and love and kindness and making their day a little bit better. And that helps me big time. So I love I love poetry. It doesn't always have to rhyme. It doesn't matter what it is. And sometimes, you know, you don't have to do things to get it out. Put it down on paper.
0: Yeah. Get it out yeah. And write
1: about it. You know, I said bye to my mom. I wrote her a letter. I went down to where she lays and I burnt the letter and and... That, let go of that situation you know when I lost my mum so you know that's how I dealt with that you know it's all—it's always about you have to travel miles and do all these things and you know, put it down on paper look at it remember it get rid of it gone yeah you know but the poetry yeah no it's it's a passion um and one day I'll get a book one day maybe I'll get a book I'd love to um it, it's just anything any subject any subject about anything and I'll have your poem in two or three minutes it will be there.
0: Yeah. Well, you did it for me, didn't you?
1: I know. I know. That's <laughs> what I said. You know, you know what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. Um, you know, so, because I felt inspired by you, you know, uh, and it doesn't take a lot to inspire people, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, so uh, that, that's, that's where that comes from anyway.
0: And are you looking to take it somewhere, potentially? I'd,
1: I'd love to. Um, it's very hard to, to, to uh, publish poetry a lot of the publishing houses don't touch it because there's so much of it about um i looked on publishing it myself but i'm not tech enough to do that um but yeah um i i i I wouldn't ever want to make money at it but i want to i want to give enjoyment to people and that's what poetry does hopefully is 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 make people smile and and enjoy it you know so that's
0: that's stuff yeah one day maybe well, <clears throat> if you know, I'm, I'm, no, I don't mind giving you a hand with self-publishing because um, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be self-publishing soon myself for a book. That'd be fantastic! So I can That'd give you a hand with that. Yeah, it'd be
1: great. I mean, I just want to do a series of a few, and, and you know, maybe do a few more later on, and then a few more, you know, rather than one big book. I've got yeah, loads. Yeah, yeah. You know, So, yeah, dozens, dozens and dozens of them, all about different things, you know. Yeah. Everything from nature to, to death to life to happiness to
0: sadness to tears to everything. Yeah. So, you know, quite a wide variety of different stuff. Yeah, cool. So, what's so we talk about the poetry now. In terms of your story, do you have any vision on, on how you want your story to impact people or how you plan to get your story out there?
1: What, my depression story? My yeah. mental so, health? Story. Yeah. Um, I really want to end stigma that surrounds mental health. Um, I want to help people, I, I desperately want to help people who suffer mental health as much as I possibly can. Um, but really, the ultimate goal is to, because you can't see it, you yes. know, it's one, of the, it's one of the unseen disabilities. I hate using that word, but that's what it is, because your mind yeah. is disabled. And um, there are so many forms of, of depression and, and mental health, there's so many forms of mental health, and I, like I say in my story, there's no way I'm going to try to to to, to mention them or, or talk about them. I don't know them. I only know what I've been through, and I only know what helped me. And everybody's different. It's it's different for everybody. You know, no one's the same when it comes to mental health. Yeah. I, I must stress that no one's the same. What works for one person won't work for everyone. You know, what what someone went through, someone else might have been through the same, but it's, it's affected them differently. Yeah. But what I really want to do is is when I was when I was first diagnosed, some of my closest friends used to cross the street because they didn't know what to say. I'd rather you come up to me and say the wrong thing than say nothing. Okay. You know, because if you if your best friend can't come across and say, Hi, how you doing? Then you're lost. Yeah. You know? It doesn't matter if you say the wrong thing, just say something. Hey, how you doing? You know. They might turn around and say, Well, what are you on about? I don't want to know, fine, but at least you've you said something rather than ignore them. Yeah. The worst thing you can do is ignore somebody. A lot of people don't understand the question. My dad couldn't come to hospital and visit me because he didn't understand it. Um The doctor explained to it to him in this way: is that it's like a car battery. You take one of the leads off, the battery's not going to work. The brain's the same. You know, if you lose if you lose part of that brain that helps you function, it's not going to work. You know. Um, and 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 I just want to end this the stigma, you know, because someone says, "Oh, I suffer mental health." Oh, you're crazy. You're mental. You should be in a mental home. It doesn't exist and shouldn't exist today. It's old stuff, you know. It don't. We, we're better than that, you know. We're better than that as a human race. We should have compassion, you yeah. know. We should have more compassion for people with mental health.
0: Um, Why do you think people handle it the way they do?
1: They don 't understand it it 's it's, it's a, a great old and it 's not a British thing it 's a worldwide thing. if you 're scared of something, you run away. If you don 't understand it and yeah. run away. you know and I just want to try and help people understand it and say, so, look, just because someone suffers from mental health doesn 't make them a strange, weird, bad person. you know it just means they 're unwell they 've got an illness, and it is an illness and it's not it 's only recently really been recognised as a, an illness you know in the 50s are still putting people in, in homes for people with mental illness you know yeah. it's not right you know we need to I need to get the message out there you know just because you suffer mental health does not make you a bad person yes there are certain mental health issues that people do don't do make them do bad things I'm not going to go into that I don't know it I don't understand it all I'm saying is that yeah. just because you suffer mental health does not make you Somebody you can't go out and speak to, have coffee with, invite round. You know, they're not a bad person. Yeah, you know, it's it's got to stop. It's got to stop. Yeah,
0: yeah, I appreciate that. So, so, like, what? So, ending ending this podcast now. What would be your one takeaway point? Your message to people that's listening who may be going through a dark time, who may feel <laughs> alone, who wants to speak but feel like they're going to be judged. What is your message that you want them to hear right now?
1: Never give up. Never give up. Never give up on yourself. Forget everyone else for now. If you're in that really dark place and you've got nowhere to go and nowhere to turn, you don't believe it's ever going to end, don't give up. Because you are worthwhile. You are worth fighting for. You know,
0: everyone is unique. And you're worth it. Don't give up. Don't give up brilliant that's beautiful well thank you so much like i can't thank you enough because this is a big step definitely in getting your story out there doing things like this which people yeah. will watch that will listen to that will really create that impact that you that you want um so oh. i thank you from the bottom of my heart coming on here sharing your story it took a lot of guts um and i wish you all the best and i'm going to be helping you every way possible that i can as well
1: thank you, Terry. i really appreciate that i really really do thank you so much for asking me to do this i i appreciate it. it's really helped me actually so
0: thank you that's great Okay, cool. So, yeah, we'll catch you in a bit. Thanks, Perry. Cheers. Wow. That was like an emotional roller coaster, right? Like, Malcolm has been through the grind, through life, and uh, I think it's very inspirational um, and remarkable at the fact that he's gone through those times, he's gone through those situations... He got to a point where you know he wanted to and he attempted to end his life and he came back from that, right? And he came back from that and he's in a position now where he doesn't want other people to go through the same thing. He doesn't want other people to feel alone. He doesn't want other people to feel like that they're a burden to their friends and to their family and they're a burden to to life. Um, And I, wow, I just think he's a, remarkable he's just a beautiful human being at the fact that he's gone through this and he just wants to help other people um so i really i really hope that you guys listen to his words um and it it impacted you in a certain way whether that's for yourself or it's for someone that you know whether that's a friend or a family member you know that they're going through a dark time and you want to help them maybe share this podcast episode with them or just try to convey the same message that Malcolm tried to convey in this episode. I think is you know if we all work together to try and help this and try to tackle it, then the world is going to be a much more safer and more beautiful place. Um, so I really hope that you guys liked this episode. Um, if you did, make sure you head over to iTunes, rate our show, um, give us a rating so it can help other people um, find the show and help impact them in the same light. So. Thank you for joining us today, guys. It's, you know, it's taking me away. I'm kind of speechless right now. Um, it's definitely taking me away. And I will catch you on the next show.